Good morning. It is None of Your Business Podcast, a podcast where we talk about anything but your business and ask questions. That's none of your business. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. Today in this episode, I'm just super, super excited. I got Jonathan Pritchard. If you don't know who he is, he's a traveling mentalist and goes around to big companies like Disney, BP, you know, United States Army, and brings people together. And if you don't know what a mentalist, it's kind of like a magician, but he's going to read your mind. So it's super cool. He has a lot to offer. He is intellectual thinking and just how genuine of a person he is. Now, I really enjoyed this interview. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Everything that you need to know will be in the show notes to find him. And if you could please share this with somebody who's maybe on the Disney Plus kick right now or just enjoys good, healthy conversations, you know, go over to the show notes and then find Jonathan first off but most importantly go up in the upper right hand corner or whatever device that you're listening to this on and share this share this with a friend share this with a loved one share this with maybe somebody who goes to trade shows or has a company that goes to trade shows that could benefit from Jonathan's expertise you know be somebody's hero today Anyways, I'm going to let you guys dive into the episode. This one is a big one. Anyways, I love you. Have a good weekend. Hey guys, and real quick before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to talk about my friend Michael Chauncey's program. It is the Create Fit Tribe. And Really, what it is, it's just a online mastermind for fitness individuals who maybe are just beginning their fitness journey with the New Year's resolution, or somebody who wants to compete. You're going to have, you know, your own unique nutrition and workout plan designed specifically for you, but you're also going to have this community of like-minded individuals to get motivation and support questions love it's going to be like a family guys so check out the show notes find our instagram at facebook michael chauncey instagram tyler michael chauncey i love you and enjoy the episode <laughs> all right so welcome jonathan um this is awesome i'm so honored that we finally got to do this. So who are you? What do you do? Well, uh, let's see. My name's Jonathan Pritchard. I live in Chicago. My main occupation is as a speaker and trainer for clients like BP, United Airlines, helping their teams connect with their people and opportunities. So that's kind of a fancy way of saying it, but there's kind of a, a wacky backstory that, that we can dig into. Yeah, no, let's tell me more about that. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, my my background is as a world traveling mentalist and mind reader. Basically, 
it's a magician that graduated to mind reading tricks. And okay. It's what a, do you mean by that? Well, it's a product of three ingredients. Applied psychology, showmanship, and moxie. Just having the gumption to stand in front of a group of people and claim to read minds. So it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's kind of like, see, magicians do tricks with objects and things and people. Mentalists do tricks with information and ideas. Okay. So it's, it's really abstract. It There's nothing you can point to. But the experience is is amazing. So I, I always like to say it, it's like skydiving. It's like the I it's very abstract. You can't okay, point to gotcha. skydiving. You okay. can point to somebody falling out of an airplane. Okay. But watching it on video or hearing somebody talk about it isn't nearly as interesting or engaging as experiencing it okay. yourself. Gotcha. I understand. Yeah. So how did you get into that? I I don't remember. It's kind of one of those things that it's what I've done my whole life. So basically, it like when I was five or six, I saw a magician on TV and, and talked about that a lot. And then my parents gave me a, a magic kit or a magic set for Christmas. And then that really got me interested. Then I realized, wait a minute, there are books on magic and they're for free at the library. So then I checked out a, a beginner's magic book at my elementary school and basically just kept rechecking it out. Every every time I had to return it, I'd just check it out again nice. for just the whole year. And, and it just never went away. It has been my all-consuming passion and interest for my whole life. That's cool. So <clears throat> as a mentalist, like how would you connect with people in the room? by actually realizing that I care about them. Like okay. that, <laughs> that is, it seems so simple, but it's a, a thing that so few people are able to do. Most people are going, okay, what can I get out of this person? Who is this person, right? Who's the highest ranking person in this room so I, I don't just waste my time talking to all these plebs? Mm -hmm. right? There's there's everything other than there is a human being standing in front of me. They mm -hmm. have a whole lifetime's worth of experience and ideas, and I could learn from this person right here mm -hmm. if I were only present. And mm -hmm. that ability to actually be there with somebody that's standing in front of me is my number one superpower. That's That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. But you're not going just for the CEO. You're going for everyone. You treat so-called the janitor as the CEO. Exactly. That's... Treat everybody with respect. Now, that's not to say that you would never have a strategy for making high-value connections and that kind of a thing. But it. But square one is realizing that you have to care about other people before they're going to care about you. So it's that fundamental inversion of what can they offer me to what can I offer them that you have to do before anybody is going to care about who you are. Mm -hmm. So so that's, to me, the secret of, okay, what do you do to walk into a room to actually connect with people? 
first you have to be interested in them. So, so I'm not saying don't have a plan, don't have a strategy, don't, don't be judicious in how you spend your time, but actually genuinely caring about other human beings is going to be one of the, the best skills that you can cultivate. Mm, that's deep. I like that. So you grew up, what, in like the mountains in a city in North Carolina? Yeah, like uh, I grew up near Asheville, which at the time was kind of the biggest town. It was, I guess it's a city, and now it's a, it's a lot bigger than it was when I was a kid. But we were still a 45-minute drive from Asheville. Okay. And half half the county I grew up in is National Forest, and there are 40,000 people in the whole county. So that's that's kind of where I grew up. And uh, my childhood years, early elementary school, lived in a single wide trailer. It was on a dirt road. So it wasn't a trailer park. It was a trailer community. Gotcha. <laughs> that's the one step up from trailer park, you know, now, now we're fancy. So so that was kind of where I grew up and how I got started. So I'm not I'm not circus people. I don't come from a long line of per world traveling performers. It's like my dad worked at a factory 12 hours a day, some sometimes six days a week. Mm -hmm. My mom was a secretary, so they didn't they didn't really have any institutional knowledge to pass on. Mm -hmm. Well, son, this is how you set up a 50C3, right? So I didn't have any of that growing up. What I did have was feeling wanted. Mm -hmm. my, my family always made me feel like I, I was wanted, that I was loved, and that I belonged, which the older I get, the more I'm understanding how valuable that is. So that's, that's kind of my origin story, where I came from. So yeah. it, was, it was just kind of that, well, you grew up in a trailer, but now you traveled the world and have worked on three out of the seven continents, how do you get there? Yeah. Like, well, mindset training. Like that, that's legit. That's the secret is yeah. learning how to think changes what opportunities you can see. Absolutely. And you were a pretty shy kid growing up, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because nowadays people see me on stage in front of a thousand people and like, man, he's a natural. But but it makes sense. It's so easy for you. You were just born this way. Yeah. It's like not at all. Like I I was a really shy kid. Like uh, the the experience that really stands out to me is I I was at Wendy's with my family, and I was like, Hey mom, could you get me some ketchup? She's like, Get it your own self. I I'm <laughs> I'm eating here, and and I would rather not talk to the person behind the counter because that would be weird to me. I'd rather go without than to speak up for what I wanted mm -hmm. and started realizing, well, that's not a good strategy for getting what you want out of life. <laughs> I saw the outgoing yeah. kids mm -hmm. having lots of friends and, and having fun. And I realized, okay, I'm going to have to learn how to do this outgoing thing. So I, I took competitive debate every chance I got in, in high school. So I was a member of the National Forensics League. I maxed oh, cool. out the number of Lincoln Douglas 
points you could get. So that was my way of forcing myself to be in front of a of an audience and learning how to think on my feet because mm. I, I'm almost an entirely visual thinker. Like I think almost entirely in pictures and imagery and associations. So the right words don't come naturally. So going into debate at first, I, I was saying, well, if, if I could just draw you a picture here on the whiteboard, it'll all make sense how everything relates. And as you can see on the video, I talk with my hands a lot. So I, I think in spaces as well, as spatially. So this is over here and then over here is here and up, up above that would be this. So I had to learn to communicate like a normal human being. Hello, my name is Jonathan, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, so it's all been a function of hard work and effective strategies at getting what it is that I want instead of just, well, this is the way I am. This is the way I'm going to be forever. So I, I often tell people I'm, a intro I'm an introvert who has learned how to be outgoing but I still would prefer to be by myself for days on end, talking to nobody, doing nothing. <laughs> it's like, let me work alone by myself. I'll be happy. Oh, but to get paid, I have to go be in front of a group of people. Okay, I can, I can do that. Yeah, totally. But when you're done with that, go back, have Jonathan time. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I'll be out on the road for three or four days. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be home for a week where I only see my girlfriend and the cat. That's, that's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I like it that way. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. You, a balance for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so what's something that you can't Google, you can't find on Google about you? Ooh, what's something that you can't find on Google about me? Ooh. I have been pretty open and transparent about most of my life. Um, if it's if it's not that I teach kung fu on the weekends, it's probably that I I am really bad at banjo. So I've, <laughs> I'm slowly I'm slowly learning banjo. Cool. That's right on. Well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> now you know. Awesome. That's awesome. Um. So you went overseas and uh, spoke with the troops? Yeah, I, I, I got booked to do entertainment for them. It was kind of the, the straight-up mentalism show. Okay. Um, because my, my entertainment background is I performed at colleges and universities all over the country for about mm -hmm. eight, nine years. And they have kind of conferences and trade shows for – entertainers so i'd be there in the booth and then the people who book college entertainment will be the attendees walking the aisles talking to all the entertainers and one of those the the military entertainment tour bookers were there so that's how i got plugged into them uh, there's uso which is for famous people who everybody would have heard of and they are doing this out of the kindness of their heart. MWR is the standard entertainment tour for entertainers who aren't famous, who still need to get paid, 
<laughs> so that was the tour that I did. So I got to to visit something like 12 bases in South Korea and entertain the, the troops that were there and always wound up sticking around, talking to people after shows and, and uh, yeah. How was that experience? Tell me more about that. It was, it was great. Um, it, it was weird for me because as a performer, as an entertainer, it's literally my job to be there. I am getting paid to do my job and all of our service members would be over there at the base and then they were so appreciative thank you so much i know you must be really busy and it means a lot to us for you to take time out to come entertain us all the way over here in in south korea like I, i'm not taking time out <laughs> this is this is my job this is what i do so it was it was really weird to be appreciated so thoroughly for for my day job right <laughs> yeah so so it was it was really cool because everybody there was about it mm -hmm. right they they were they were there to have fun so it was one of the the easiest kind of audiences you could possibly imagine yeah totally. and and my whole shtick is helping the audience understand that they can make whatever they could imagine a reality with mm -hmm. the right application of skills and strategy and time and effort. Okay, but if you can't imagine something, how are you going to make it real? Mm -hmm. So my goal is to make the audience members and the audience members who volunteer as a participant in the experience in the show, I want to make them the star. I want to mm -hmm. highlight incredible things that they may not even know that they could do. And they're not sure how they did it. They know I helped, but they're the one that predicted the future. They're the one that read my mind, that kind of a thing. So, so yeah. I know a magician never tells a secret. What about a mentalist? <laughs> well, uh, to that, to answer that, I, I want to back up to I worked at a magic shop at Universal Studios. Like yeah. that was my first job out of college. Oh wow! Was as as a magic demonstrator in the park at Universal Studios in Orlando. Oh, cool! Right on. So these people from all over the world are at Universal Studios to ride rides, to watch shows. They are not there to buy magic tricks. <laughs> Sorry. Right? You're right. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, why in the world would we save up for years to fly to Orlando to buy some stupid magic tricks? So that was my first job. Okay. We were consistently the number one third-party seller every day oh wow we outsold the commemorative t-shirts keychains you name it we were selling more stuff than they were oh wow right how did you do that well it was by having an interesting magic show and saying by the way everything you're seeing me do a seven-year-old kid could do it. And some of the demonstrations were that, 
where a seven-year-old kid, I'd be like, cut the cards, turn it over. Is that your card, sir? And he's like, it is. Like, see, this seven-year-old kid doesn't even know how it works, and it still works. They'd be like, I'm buying five, right? So then if you bought the magic tricks and it wasn't too busy, we would show people, okay, here's exactly how it works. So here's the situation. They just watched me do magic that amazed them to the point that, oh my God, that's incredible. That's impossible. And he's telling me I can do that? Fantastic. Here's $50. So then I say, now here's how it works. I show them exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. Then here's exactly what happens. No, that can't be it. <laughs> no, it has to be something else, right? It has to be wires or magnets. I, I just gave you $50. I feel like an idiot. You took me. <laughs> You lied to me. There's no way this would fool anybody. Oh, really? And then they would, and then I would remind them, like, listen, man, you just watched me do this. Mm -hmm. You had no clue how it worked. It was worth $50 to you to know how it works. And now that you know, there's no way for me to, for you to give back that knowledge. So oh. you just bought the secret. But this weird thing happens that you instantly can't remember what it was like to not know what it is that you now know. Oh. Your, your whole world is filtered through the realm of your knowledge. Yeah. So before you know how the magic trick works, it's impossible. It could be anything. Wow, isn't this neat? Then you find out, how simple the trick works like how simple the the mechanism the mechanics of it you mm -hmm. go well holy God, that would never fool anybody <laughs> right but, because you now can't imagine not knowing it yeah. and what the experience of the audience member would be mm, okay so then they would get so upset and then i talk them off the ledge they were going through the five stages of grief. That's how I remember what the five stages of grief are. I just remember what it's like telling somebody how the trick works. Oh, wow. There's denial. There's bargaining. There's <laughs> anger. There's depression. There's acceptance. Yeah. No, it has to be something else. Yeah. I bet you think I'm an idiot. I just lost $50 to this. Well, you know, I guess with a little practice, I could fool steve at work too okay I, I i guess it's worth it wow and that happened almost every time every single time wow so, so it's not that magicians don't tell the secrets because we have to keep the secrets it's that magicians don't tell the secrets because we don't want to go through your grief right? <laughs> we don't <laughs> we don't want to kill your capacity for amazement Okay. and mystery and enjoyment so it takes a certain kind of weird person to want to know how the magic works and enjoy knowing how it works more than the experience of the mystery okay because most magicians and mentalists get into it because it's so amazing and wonderful and you're like oh my god this is incredible and then the better you get at creating that for your audience the less you experience it for yourself Mm. 
So you you lose that feeling that originally got you into this in the first place, which okay. is kind of a, a sad thing. So we understand what it means to know the secrets. So really, the burden that magicians are keeping is the gift of your amazement and possibility instead of giving you the the burden of knowledge and mm. destroying that gossamer thin experience. Wow, I never thought about it like that. That's super interesting. Wow. Yes, so that's why magicians don't tell secrets. Mm. It's not to protect their secrets, it's to protect you. That is, huh, that's interesting. Isn't that weird? It is, I like it now. I. Yeah, because everybody thinks, oh, you're just being a secretive prick. Right? Yeah, you're, exactly. You're just, <laughs> you're just trying to keep stuff away from me. And they're like, oh, child, honey, no, you don't know what it is you're about to know. Yeah. Well, I don't want, yeah. okay, I don't ruin the experience. <laughs> Got it. Well, there goes like 20 questions off my list then. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly avoided those. Uh, but uh, so when you like go on stage and you bring people up, like, can yeah. you tell us about that? Tell us about that process. It's terrifying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I always like to, to point to Chicago where I'm based. Uh, I always like to say that's where I get my mail is in Chicago. Mm -hmm. so I work all over the country and, and do some international consulting, that kind of a thing. But when I'm not on the road, I live in Chicago. So, so that's, kind of where where i'm based and also wow that what was the question it just escaped me sorry there are mo so many timelines going it's difficult for me to remember what reality i'm in so yeah no totally i do that all the time um <laughs> <laughs> what's the process of you bringing your clients on stage right okay it comes from a lot of practice right so that's the tie-in was that Chicago is really well known for improv. So as a improv comedian, you would be on stage with other improv comedians that you're probably familiar with. You have some shared trust. You know that they can handle whatever is going to happen. It's still your team though. And the, the variable that you're working with is what word or idea will the audience give us? Mm. So that's pretty much the extent to it. Okay. Magicians, mentalists, we're actually bringing strangers on stage while we're doing the tricky stuff that you shouldn't be able to see, managing the instructions we give to the volunteer, anticipating what they're going to do, listening to what they're saying, respond to it as a human being, all of that is happening at exactly the same time. Wow. So, so it is not easy to deal with members of an audience on stage. I bet. So the, the skill comes from practicing the routine first, just the pure mechanics in order for this effect to work, in order for it to look like I could read minds, first I do this with my hands, then I do that, then I put this thing here, then I turn and pick this up, and you go through it kind of like dance choreography. 
So you learn the mechanics first. Then you figure out, okay, what's the script? What is it that I have to say to move the narrative forward? What are the instructions I need to give to the volunteer so that they will be clear and understandable for somebody who's potentially freaked out being on stage? Mm -hmm. So then you work through that. Then you try it out. You go to a to a low risk environment, an open mic night or something, and then you practice because there's really no way to practice a mind reading trick without a mind to read. Mm-hmm. So then you go through it and and you discover hiccups and problems and and like okay, the timing could be better here. And every time you do it, it's a new iteration, and it gets better and better every time that you do it. So over time, I've done a couple of my routines a thousand times. So I've seen the the general distribution graph of the most likely responses from these types of people. Okay. So most people will respond this way. Most people will say this at this moment. So there's my witty repartee. It's following the distribution graph. Okay. There eventually will be outliers. One in a thousand shows something horrifically bad will happen. Okay. One in a thousand shows something amazing will happen. Unbelievable will happen. Okay, so I can plan for that. So it just comes from experience doing it, paying attention, and making sure that you never make the same mistake next time. Mm-hmm. And we're all human. We all make mistakes. Right, right. So, so yeah, it is, it is a really, really difficult skill to do, but magicians and mentalists were so good at doing it that it looks like it happens by magic, mm-hmm. which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of saying, listen, Magic doesn't happen by magic. Like, it happens through meticulous attention and management to detail. Like that's yeah, totally. <laughs> that's it. Magic's not an accident. Magic is a, <laughs> is an obsession with every single detail and managing the experience for a for a room full of people. Uh-huh. But but done so well that it looks like it's so casual. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's super fascinating to watch one of my friends for the first time do their show and then seeing it again and then realizing all those organic moments where he was just so quick on his feet mm-hmm. were manufactured planned scripted out use oh my god you got me so hard you're that was amazing right? so so that's why i like i like being able to see my friends perform over and over yeah because you start to see what's planned for and what was genuinely in the moment. Mm, okay. Yeah. So that's, that, cool. that's why we always say uh, once is a show, twice is a lesson. Once is a show, twice is a lesson. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about mindset. Yeah. Let's talk about changing your mindset. And uh, so if you were going to give like the younger version of yourself, some like three tricks tips or whatever to change your mindset to achieve what you want what would it be realize that 
the instant you think it's not possible, you are thinking thoughts that aren't yours. You are hearing the voice of someone else in your life or background that didn't have the same capacity for imagination that you do. Mm. Okay. I, I make my living reading minds. You can't point to that. Like I'm not selling a thing. I'm not yeah. selling socks. First, I didn't have socks. Now I bought them, and here they are. Yeah. I'm so glad I bought that. I am solely selling experience, which mm -hmm. is totally non-physical. It's metaphysical. I'm selling yeah. meaning. Mm -hmm. How weird is that? Like That is super weird. So that's how I make my living. Mm -hmm. So if you're going, well, I want to do this, but I can't even imagine how it would be possible. Mm -hmm. you're artificially limiting the potential of making it real yeah the what's the saying uh either you think you can or you think you can't either one of them is right yep yeah okay. was that henry ford uh thought of that yeah and and that's really it so first is give yourself permission to dream the wildest things you could possibly come up with mm. just allow it like that's square one is going, you know what? I can just wave a magic wand. Here's what I would do. Because that wacky thinking beyond what you think is possible is step one for making it a reality. Mm. Right. And what's step two? Step two is understanding that your thoughts dictate your reality. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, and and I mean that in a much more concrete way than most people appreciate that to mean. What do you mean by that? Um, I'm I'm holding a Rubik's cube right okay. now. For for those of you playing along at home who can't see the video, I'm holding a Rubik's cube. This didn't exist until somebody dreamt it up, imagined it then put in the effort to create one out of physical reality. The dude put in effort to restructure physics in order to arrange these particular atoms into this particular arrangement that never existed before. So his imagination guided his effort to create a new reality where a Rubik's cube exists. So every single thing or object that you have ever interacted with that was created started in somebody's imagination. Mm, okay. So your life is the result of the decisions that you make, right? And those decisions Absolutely. happen in your mind. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this Rubik's Cube is the end process of a bunch of decisions that are made. Should mm -hmm. we make it out of metal or plastic? Should it be this or that? Decision, 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 decision. And at the end of that decision-making process, you have a valuable product. So that's why your life is the product of your decision-making skills. Mm. Right? 
Yeah, totally. So, so your life naturally plays out at the level of the quality of your thinking. Mm. Think good thoughts, good things happen. Think bad thoughts, be a victim, bad things happen. And, and it's, for me, it's not even so much good and bad, which I know sounds quaint. It's more about effective or ineffective. Mm. Okay. So Most, what some more effective ways to get a positive mindset? To me, positive mindset is not ignoring the bad stuff in your life. That's the fastest way to drive yourself crazy, get depressed, and, and just freak yourself out, right? Mm-hmm. Positive mindset is being positive that you could make it through this experience. Okay. It's being positive that you can figure this out, that there is a way to solve this problem and to believe in yourself enough that even if you can't figure it out, somebody else has figured it out. And that's even cooler because now you don't have to spend your time learning it for the first time. Mm -hmm. You can now learn from somebody else and learn their way of solving that problem. Mm. Okay. So, so to me, positive thinking is not uh, ignoring the bad and trying to psych yourself out of feeling bad and just going, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not depressed. I don't feel bad. Nope. I'm happy, happy, happy. Yeah. No, that uh, uh-uh, never going to work. Instead, focus on your skills. What effort are you putting in to cultivating those skills? And what's the strategy you're currently using to solve that problem? Mm. That's where the issue is going to be. Not the problem. How are you solving it? Okay. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. I, that is very interesting. It definitely got me thinking. Um, <clears throat> so when – if somebody's strategy is not working and you go into the company and you do what you do, um, how do you, do you like politely tell them like, Hey, this isn't working or like, what does that look like? That conversation starts at the beginning. Uh, it's kind of a weird way of saying that, but at the, at the beginning I go, okay, what are the problems? What problems do you guys have? And They're telling me the problems, but they're not actually telling me the problems. Okay. They're telling me the symptoms that arise as the natural end product of a problem that they don't understand. Okay. If they understood what the problem was, they would then be able to solve it. The fact that they can't solve it means they don't know what the problem is. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So you you diagnose what the actual problem is, but you can't tell them what the problem is because they think their problems are the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes the problem is them. Mm-hmm. It's leadership. So before I sign on 
to be a three-month consultant, which is just now a fancy term for scapegoat. <laughs> because we brought in Jonathan to work his magic, and we still have all these issues. So clearly, he's the problem here. Yeah, totally. So I don't want to be in that position. So up front, I go, okay, let me ask you some questions. First is, how how dedicated are you to actually solving this issue? They go, oh, yeah, I, oh, we, we have to. And then how would business be better if you no longer had these problems? Oh, it'd be this, that, and the other thing. We could then do that and this. It'd be so much better. Beautiful. What if we find out that you are the problem? Are you willing to move out of the way? What do they say to that? Sometimes they say no. It's my company, man. No, yeah. this is my baby. I I have to be in I essentially I have to be in control. This is how I feel significant. If I yeah. freed up my employees to make decisions, why would they need me? And there goes my sense of self. Yeah, totally. Sometimes they say no. They go, No, I'm not ready to to step down. I'm not ready to step out of the way. They go, Okay. Call me when you are. Ooh. Thanks so much. <laughs> oh, wow. And then do I, those people ever call you back? Rarely. Rarely. Rarely, but it has happened. Yeah. And then they step out of the way, their business flourishes, and then they go, I can't believe it took me that long to get back to you. Wow. I, thank you so much. That, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, because just like not everybody will hire me. Mm -hmm. I won't let anybody hire me. Well, not I won't let everybody hire me. Yeah. Okay. Right? Not not everybody is a good fit. Yeah. So I I fire just as many potential clients as potential clients don't hire me. Mm. That's really and which when you are your own boss, you can do that. Exactly. And exactly. If you want the headache, cool. If you don't want the headache, awesome. But right. So when people like step out of the way and they flourish and then the ones that like call you back, um, while they, is like, they're any in the process when they call you back and like, they think they're ready to be out of the way. Do they ever like try and like poke their nose around the corner and say, Hey, I, uh, actually I changed my mind. I, I kind of want to be in on this. Absolutely. I mean, any, any entity wants to live. Mm -hmm. Life wants to live. And we human beings, animals, creatures, we all have a will to live. Ideas want to live too. Mm -hmm. Your way of thinking about yourself wants to live. So in order to imagine yourself as a different person the way you're currently thinking about yourself has to die okay and it's uncomfortable the whole time so that way of thinking will fight to stay alive as you're installing new ways of thinking that displace the old way mm -hmm. that process is very uncomfortable oh yeah but as soon as the new way clicks into place, 
you suddenly couldn't imagine the old way of thinking anymore. Right. Just like learning the magic trick. You're learning the magic trick of thinking about yourself this way. Mm -hmm. And now you live in alignment with that way of thinking. And the old way is so foreign to you. Right. It's, it's interesting. But that whole process is tricky. It's, it's like a demon exorcism. You're just trying to you're trying to get this old way of thinking out, yeah. but you can't get it out. You can only install new ways of thinking that will crowd out the old ways of thinking. And then mm. finally, once it establishes a majority share of of your brain, then the old way doesn't have anywhere to go. Mm. That's interesting. Super weird, huh? Yeah, I like that. So say you didn't have any responsibilities mm -hmm. you could wake up how you wanted did what you want to do just the perfect day let's call this the perfect day what would that look like oh man pretty much today <laughs> <laughs> like it's i i am living it is, it is so amazing like i i live my best life mainly as and i measure that mainly as a function of how much control do I have over my time and who I spend it with, mm -hmm. which is 100%. If I never want to see anybody ever again, I don't have to, mm -hmm. right? To the extent that the government allows me to be a quote-unquote free citizen, whereas if you don't pay taxes, you're now a caged animal. But aside from that, ignoring the big state-sanctioned violence mm -hmm. uh, elephant in the room, yeah, I, I've got full control. I like saying I I really only have four or five different days. I just have different amounts of those same days. So okay. a day off means I wake up, make coffee. My girlfriend gets back from her run. We have coffee. She goes to work. I start writing or reading, working on new material, creating a new workshop, calling clients, that kind of thing. So that's kind of my my standard day. Then there's the, okay, I have to leave the house day where I either go do a show or a speaking engagement or work at a trade show to help draw uh, leads for my client in the booth, that kind of a thing. So it's kind of like, okay, it's delivery day where I, I get to go do what it is that I do. And then there's travel day, getting to the place to do that. And then there's like family day where I'm being social with friends and family and, and being a connected human being with mm -hmm. other human beings. So those are really the only days I have. That, that's it. Mm. <laughs> and, and then I just have them in different ratios at different times. Okay. That's interesting. But time is in your control. That's it. Time is my, is my single most valuable resource yeah yeah I, I have a whole article somewhere in, on one of my websites about uh, alchemy is the process of transmuting the base resource of time into value whether it's it's money relationships whatever everything flows downhill from how you manage your time so people who haven't discovered how to transmute their time into a high value thing don't value it 
So they're willing to spend time to save money, not realizing that if they saved time, they would then be able to make more money out of the time that they saved. Mm. So spending time to save money actually costs you the money you had, the time it took to get you that money, plus the money you could have made with that time you could have saved by spending money. Okay. So it's it's a double spend of your most precious resource to spend money once. Gotcha. Okay. Instead of spending it twice. Right. Gotcha. Right. So I got a couple last questions for you. Yeah, yeah. Where can people find you? Ooh. Um, I'm most active as a human being on the social network uh, on Twitter. Okay. So if you want the experience of what it's like to be in a car for, with me for like 15 hours, and then I just share the weird stuff I'm thinking about, go to Twitter. That's, okay. that's where you're going to find me. What's your handle um, on Twitter? Uh, the underscore Pritchard. P-R-I-T-C-H-A-R-D. And listeners, it will be in the show notes. So Awesome. And where else so can people find you? Yeah, so that's if you want to connect with me as a person and get a peek into my brain. Um, if you want to see kind of what projects I work on in the different companies that I've, I've founded, managed, and, and partner with, uh, go to hellstromgroup.com. So that is my international consulting company that is the parent company for ROI trade shows where we help companies maximize their, their trade show leads, that kind of stuff and a variety of other other companies that I founded and, and partnered with. Awesome. Love it. All right. So, Jonathan, I got one last question for you. Yeah. What's your message to the world? Dare to live up to your imagination. Hey, guys. I hope you learned something from that episode. And you're get to ponder for the rest of your day night or your drive wherever you're headed and you get to think about the message that you learned now I have a favor for you guys so if you could please please go on to iTunes Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and give me a rating and review it helps me grow it helps other people find me And if you could please share this with somebody, just press send on whatever device, you know, send it to one person or send it to a hundred, you know, that would just really mean a lot to me. And also in the show notes, if you want to send in a voice message and get a shout out on my podcast about how, you know, this helped you or whatever you thought about it, I'd very much appreciate that also. But my goal for 2020 is to get 10,000 downloads. So if you could please do that, just, you know, send it to a friend, send it to a coworker, share it with somebody. I'd very much appreciate it. Please go rate your review. And with all these guys, I love you.